Arsenal legends Paul Merson, John O'Shea and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event, so if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com forward slash events. Just Eat, the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Thursday Night Rugby, I think it could catch on. Delighted to have Keith Wood on the line. Good evening, Keith. Good evening, how are you? I'm very well. Heck of a weekend ahead of us. We have full live commentary of Leinster against Toulouse right here on Off The Ball on Saturday afternoon. Andy Dunn is going to be alongside Conor Morris at the Aviva Stadium. Three o'clock kickoff, loads of build-up throughout the afternoon as well. And then we have Exeter against La Rochelle to see who will be the second team coming to Dublin at the end of May for the Champions Cup final. Uh, we could probably spend the entirety of this interview, Keith, talking about Leo Cullen's press conference, which is not something I think we've ever said before it was uh, really interesting stuff from Leo Cullen who usually just goes about his business quietly uh, but he had a heck of a lot to say on Monday about funding about the comments uh, that came in from Richard Wigglesworth about hype and the way that we've all been talking about Leinster on the hype scenario you can sort of see where he's coming from because the the words we use around Leinster it's as if they have been the dominant force of European rugby and then you look it's one Champions Cup in the last decade. What's your reading of the way he tried to just lower expectations a little bit earlier in the week? Look, I, I've a huge time for Leo. I, I think he has, um, uh, I think he's plotted a very good course. I, I think he's actually frustrated with the fact that Leinster haven't um, delivered more in the last few years. And um, it just goes to show you the the level of depth of quality that's in this competition. And then mm. once you get to the last few weekends of the year, um, we keep looking back and seeing Leinster as being totally dominant. And they have been dominant in the URC, but they haven't in the ERC. So, um, yeah, I think I think he's trying to get. I, I think he understands that even for a team like Leinster, the um, almost like the specter of uh, of expectation of favoritism is something that doesn't sit as well with with Irish people in general and I think that's beginning to change a little but even if we look at the Six Nations game where Ireland were overwhelming favorites against against England it was a scrappy performance they got the result at the end but it was scrappy and it it hasn't put to bed that uh, uncomfortable nature of the favorites favorites tag so because of that i think he's doing the right thing you know he's um and i often forget like i don't forget but i often think that when people just are in the bubble of a club team or an international team they only concentrate on their thing and they get a bit offended by fans or they get a bit kind of caught up in, in people are, are doubting them or actually extolling them even at this stage. And the fact that the media's job is to discuss the different elements. And we are allowed to kind of lose the run of ourselves a little because we're excited by it. And we also don't have to deal with the day-to-day pressures of it. I think he deals with it pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I'm my, my read of all that was let's kind of let's stop this for a while. Let's see if we can get the, the team on an emotional, even keel so that they can go out and, and perform at the weekend. 
when the sides met last year, uh, Leinster ran riot and there's an expectation and a feeling that this is a different Toulouse side coming here in terms of confidence. Uh, it feels like Leinster have also improved from last year as well. But when you look at the quality of that Toulouse side, it, it's hard to see a similar sort of winning margin come Saturday. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, uh, I thought that was a really poor performance by Toulouse last year. And um, it's funny because a lot of those players play at such a heightened level when they play for, for France. Um, and yet that performance, I, I don't know whether they took something for granted. I, I actually think that that loss and the manner of the loss last year will be of huge benefit to Toulouse um, when they come this weekend. because. Why? because nothing will be taken for granted and because they're a year older and a bit peeved with the, with that lack of performance i think they turn up with a view not that they have five stars on their jersey but that they were fairly roundly and soundly beaten last year so you know there's always a lot of talk made for french teams and how they perform overseas that rarely applies to Toulouse, but it did last year, and they won't like that either. The spectre of Will Skelton seems to haunt Leinster, and when we discuss their exits in recent years, it's they need to bring more power. And Jason Jenkins arrives, and it sort of felt like they could have put him in cold storage for the last six months just to unleash him on a weekend like this. Do you think they will unleash him on a weekend like this? Um, I'm not sure, and I would have said that the best part of Jason Jenkins arriving has been the difference in the performance of James Ryan. Um, and he has fulfilled that role for the whole the whole season. He has had a slightly harder edge to him. He seems to have got bigger, bulkier. He's putting a huge amount of effort in. Jenkins has been injured for good, but he looked like he would have been integral for the season. And then he, he seems to have missed an awful lot of games. He's been coming back in towards the end. Um, I don't know that they'll make that change at the start. They may kind of hope to have that additional ballast that's required in the last 20 minutes, 30 minutes. But um, I just like the manner in which Leinster are playing this year. I think they're playing a little bit differently. There is more edge to it. There's more grunt to it. Um, there is a sudden flooding of forwards into the clearing out of a ruck, which at times they would have said that technically they could do the ruck with one less man. Now, I think they put one more in just to make certain. And you can see some of those clear outs are phenomenal. And the quality of the body positioning at clear out time has been, um, you know, I think a marked difference in how Leinster have played. It's interesting on Jenkins what you say, because I guess that's what every coach wants when you bring in a new signing. You want either them to come in and make a spot in the first 15 themselves, or you want them to put so much pressure on the guys that are there that they step up their game. And what you're saying that that's what's happened at Leinster. Yeah, I, th I think so. And like, I'll go back a long way to um, uh, to John Langford arriving into Munster, uh, who was kind of a, pretty much of a pull through for a rifle. He was tall and skinny, but what he brought to, to Munster was a total change to attention to detail. That suddenly um, the emotional play from the, from the Munster second rows that was hard graft or whatever was given uh, a, a higher um, uh, upgrade when you're somebody who's a master technician in pretty much how you train, how you read the opposition, how you read lineouts opposition, um, how you check on the body language of people that are standing in the lineout, um, how you rocked, how you got your fitness levels up. 
the change that he had on all the young guys that came through afterwards was pretty amazing. That Toulouse second row, though, of Richie Arnold, Emmanuel Miafou, like they are two absolute giants. Uh, you've no concerns then that we're going to be sitting here on Monday analysing this and talking again about Leinster being outpowered, outmuscled. Um, of course, of course, we could see that, but I, I, I don't I actually. I don't think. I think Leinster have improved. I think Ireland improved during the year as well to be able to deal with that level of uh, of work that was required. Some of the tackle technique for some of these big guys was was pretty impressive. It comes down to mindset and their mindset's been good. And so for me, I don't think that'll be the conversation. It could be, and it doesn't mean it makes it any easier. And it doesn't mean you don't lose um, or tries to line out malls or uh, to heavy hits that happen consistently during the game. Uh, but it is about standing up to that and being able to deal with it on their terms. For me, there's these little micro changes that Leinster have made, um, both in tackle technique, but also the second tackle tech, you know, the second tackler that comes in. Uh, it seems to be doing the job, but we tend to only see these big teams in the last big matches of mm. the season. So you don't really know until you see it at the time. And we know, with the, you know, we were talking about Will Skelton from, from La Rochelle and, and the impact that he has had against Leinster teams in the past. But you have to, you have to guess that Leinster are targeting to that idea to make certain that they have a plan to destabilise any player that's in that position again. Because you can't look at it and say, we'll hope for the best in 12 months' time. And you know for certain Leinster haven't done that. And there are so many games where Leinster are so dominant. Like You're, you're dead right. It's when it comes to the semi-finals, we see the Goliaths all come together. But we have seen so many of these players clash recently in that game between Ireland and France. Are there many pointers you can take considering so many of the Leinster squad are in the, in the Ireland team, so many of the Toulouse squad are in the France team? Like It will be said as in the first five minutes of commentary, this is as close as it'll get to test match level to international rugby. Is that true? I think it is true at, at this level. Um, not at, not in, the, uh, in the previous rounds, it's not. So suddenly when you get to the to the last four, the quality of the players that are on, on show, some of them are, like if, when you're looking at Arnold, the, the impact he can make on the field is of an international standard that very few internationals have. So, uh, you know, you, it, it can be tougher in certain aspects, not tougher in others. I still think... Leinster will have progressed because Ireland progressed this year. I think Ireland were able to deal with um, with a more physical game, with, I'm not going to say earning the right to go wide, because that's a bit of an old cliche, but, but the idea that for every time somebody took the ball into contact, it was really uncomfortable for the opposition. And any time that there was a ruck, it was really uncomfortable for the opposition. I think Leinster have done more of that than anybody else this year. Uh, Leo Cullen has so many options and he has a couple of injuries. Obviously, Johnny Sexton isn't going to be there. Ross Byrne will start tomorrow. There's no James Lowe. Jordan Larmer is likely to come in. 
what he does in the back row will be interesting because he's uh, what a decision the perfect headache for him when he goes to bed tonight so it looks as though Josh van der Fleer and Ryan Baird are both going to be fit I was listening to James Tracy early in the week he suspects he might go with Jack Conan at 6 with Doris at 8 with van der Fleer at 7 and with Baird either in the second row or on the bench what do you think is most likely then when we see that Leinster 15 tomorrow I look I think it's I don't know how he's managing to keep all those players um, even moderately happy because every one of them would be a shoe in in pretty much any other team Um, for me Caelan Doris is the best eight um, and I think he offers balance to a team when he plays at eight um, I think Conan just he's coming back to form he's playing very very well um, it's very hard to not have him on the field but you have to pick van der Fleer at seven um, in my view I just think his work rate is so consistently so high um, and it's whether it's who you decide to then put in at six so Ryan Baird offers an awful lot he offers, I think we, I said it a couple of weeks ago with, with Joe, for me, he's becoming the the guy, if if he gets a hard edge, um, he is physical, he is incredibly athletic. Um, if he grows into the hard edge, you need a hard edge at six. Um, he's now becoming the heir apparent to um, Peter O'Mahony in the Ireland setup. Um, when, I, when I thought it was Ty Byrne for a long time. It, yeah. It may not be that anymore. Whether he plays this weekend or not, I think you could go with Conan at six. I think you could end up with having a bit of a change with 35 minutes to go. You know, you could just go and empty the tank. It's Can you get that balance right or you get the most out of all the players you have at your disposal? When you say grow into that hard edge, what do you mean? Is, is that just a bit more physicality or is it a mentality thing? I think I, I think it's both. When I, like actually, the best example for it's James Ryan. Um, James Ryan was so brilliant when he started, uh, brilliant at pretty much everything he did. I think we probably played him too much, too many minutes in the game for for a young guy. Um, when I look at him now, play he looks bigger, stronger. I don't know how much heavier he is, if he is heavier or not. But I think if you were picking a Lions team, you would pick him. Um, immediately whereas when he wasn't picked in the last Lions tour I think it was understandable he was he was jaded by the time he got there he wasn't having the the impact that you'd want him to have now when you see him play it's impact 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 now it's different at six but six was always an element of an enforcer you know in that jersey um, he needs to be a good line-out jumper, which he is. He needs to be fast and powerful, which he is far more, you know, much faster and um, than uh, than Peter O'Mahony. Um, but he needs to be able to build some of that additional graft that's required. You know, that's that's what I mean, really, more than more than anything else. It's when you look at the balance of the back row for Ireland, you think O'Mahony does incredibly well calling in the lineouts. He's kind of stuck in the middle of an awful lot of things. Caelan Doris does extraordinary work. Um, Van der Fleer does extraordinary work, but they work incredibly well as a balanced group. Um, there needs to be more graft at six for that to function as well. So that's why I'd be saying for um, for Baird. Uh, 
Leinster won their last three against Toulouse and obviously there was the victory last year which came straight after the penalty shootout win over Munster. Their coach Ugo Muller was saying that last season there was the grand slam, their players were in great demand, there was the triple header where they had to play Ulster, Munster, Leinster away in the space of four weeks. Didn't recover, necessarily take the right options. There does seem to be a sense that this is a much fresher, better Toulouse that are coming here and of course... They've got Anton Dupont at the helm as well, who it feels like is sort of hitting messy levels in terms of his ability. You just know he's going to turn up. you got to accept that he's going to play a major role in this game, that he's going to be minimum 8 out of 10, and you got to plan around that. Yeah, and it's hard to plan on him at all because um, he seems to have uncommon levels of strength. Um, some of the iconic moments of this year are to do with him, but Ireland were the ones who won... The Grand Slam this year, not France. So uh, the Irish would be taking a view on that, but not with a view that it was all perfect and this was the the um, this was the top of the mountain. And I think I think the players celebrated it as they should have celebrated it. But I also think they've got back into business very quickly, and um, it doesn't necessarily carry over from a green jersey into a blue or a red jersey, you know. So um, the Leinster guys. They want to win. They want to win their cup. So they, they're. I don't think they're jaded. I think they're the opposite. They've managed their their resources incredibly well. Um, they haven't had to go on on a long trip down to South Africa. Um, their performances during the year have dictated that they were in an incredibly comfortable position to get to to their knockout um, stages for the URC. Um, they are missing a couple of players. I do think the Johnny Sexton conversation and Ross Byrne is an interesting one. I'll be really interested to see what Toulouse will do defensively to try and shut him out because if they don't give him space on the outside, will that affect him? And um, if, if he drifts back at all, that puts additional um, pressure on the players outside him. Because the future has arrived for Leinster. It's no longer a conversation around Ross Byrne just stepping in for Johnny Sexton. Johnny Sexton, we don't think, will ever play for Leinster again. So he now is the main man. He's not just filling boots anymore. He's got to go and take control of these games. Absolutely. has to, And the players around him have to help him to do that. You know, they have to help him with his decision making. But they also have to force him to go further up into the line at different times. Under pressure, it's a natural thing is to drift back a little and uh, give yourself more time to make the pass. Um, and it all depends on the type of defence. If, if Toulouse don't put, they don't put pressure at 12 and 13 um, against against Leinster, if they don't have that really fast defence against it, I think Leinster can actually do all the plays that they do so well and get, um, get around the corner well, um, go through the gaps in the middle because I, the the this defense is not the same. It's it's quite interesting. You'd say the Leinster defense is pretty similar to the Irish defense, but the Toulouse defense is not similar to the French defense. So um, it just depends on what happens there. And look, I think if you were looking from a Toulouse perspective, you've been saying we need to put as much pressure on ten as possible. That doesn't have to be on him physically, but it has to be on his eye line as he goes to pass. Um, you want to have. Uh, guys in a red jersey out there in the corner putting him under pressure 
there's going to be a huge crowd there it looks like it's going to be 45,000 at the Aviva on Saturday despite uh, what are pretty expensive tickets for the semi-final in Leinster having so many home games at Lansdowne Road in a row but it is live here on Off the Ball as well from 3 o'clock on Saturday the second semi-final is Exeter against La Rochelle I'm sure Roger is loving all the chat about Leinster to lose and you know the two best teams in Europe coming head to head and then the defending champions just going about their business quietly well he's another one now I tell you between the, himself and Leo Cullen playing blinders all the time you know and, and Rog is well able to stir it when he wants to but he very very quietly went through the process last year he left an awful lot of noise happen around the game and all of it being positive towards Leinster and negative towards La Rochelle. He manoeuvred that incredibly well. He plotted plotted a game plan for a guy who'd been out injured for a long part of the season to play 80 minutes um, of, of a final and to have the biggest impact in, in Will Skelton, biggest in, in more ways than one. And it was it was magic in the manner in which he did it. It just it, it was so unlikely. It didn't make any sense, and it didn't make sense until the last couple of minutes when it made huge sense. And then he got the victory. So um, he's been very crafty, consistently crafty. I think La Rochelle have brought more to the game this year. I think they've expanded some of their play a little bit more. Um, they're almost becoming a more European type team rather than a French team, which is interesting. So it'll be interesting to see how they go about these games. They've been a bit off the mark. Exeter have been awful and have been fantastic for the last month, you know, and it, it looks like for Exeter that they're having, you know, a grand send off for a lot of players that are actually, a lot of them are going to go and play in France, um, which again is, is ironic enough, but um but this seems to be the celebration period of time for an Exeter team who were very successful three or four years ago. And um, and yet they're getting a, a sort of Indian summer for this squad. But this squad's going to change totally. So Exeter, I think, will put everything into the game. I think they'll leave it all on the field. I think they have managed to get that spark of camaraderie again within within the, the 23 players. And... And are playing incredibly well, but I don't think that they're going to have what it takes to come up against, again, a um, La Rochelle side that are big, heavy hitting, damaging when they need to be. So I look, I think it's it's La Rochelle in, are the winners in that one and it's who wins the first one. Well, tell us, Keith. Yeah. Hmm? Tell us. Well, look, I think, I think it has to be Leinster's to lose, which um, I didn't mean to say it in that fashion, but there you go. There's the Freudian slip. But um, I do think Leinster are favourites. I do think they're playing at home. I think that is a huge benefit. Um, A lot depends on... um, A lot depends on what happens around 10 for me, for Leinster. And um, this could be the making of Ross Byrne. It does look as though we'll have all four Irish provinces in the Champions Cup next season. Uh, barring uh, an upset in the Challenge Cup, Connacht will be there as well. At Munster last weekend, you haven't been on since uh, the draw against the Sharks. And with half an hour to go, they were in real trouble. 22-3 down. Showed real grit, real character. 
and probably should have won that game at the very end were very unlucky not to win the game they've secured themselves Champions Cup rugby for next year they're going to head to Glasgow in the quarterfinals of the URC it feels a long time ago now since those conversations we were having at the start of the season when they were really struggling for form and we felt like that run at the start of the season might end up costing them at this stage it very nearly did where are Munster as we head into their last couple of games of the season and what sort of progress do you feel they've made I know it's a big question and we'll have plenty of time to talk about it over the next few weeks but it did feel like that last half an hour and Ben Healy's introduction that was a big 30 minutes in, in the life cycle of what will come over the next couple of years yeah I look uh, I thought they got it wrong at the start of the year um, though it's paying dividends actually later on in the year um, but I thought those early losses were, um, I think as far as the story goes, they were overtraining quite a lot at the start of the season to try and get the players up to a different type of match fitness. And that sounds kind of an unusual way to look at it, but um, to try and play a more all-court um, game, you do need to be a little bit lighter. You need to be a little bit sharper. Um and I think there was a change and that change took a long time to actually bed in. I felt after three or four matches that it was unlikely that Munster would get to where they got to. And I couldn't get over um, the change in their fortunes, not necessarily in their play, uh, but their fortunes changed. I think a lot of the energy changed after that South Africa game down in Porky Cueve. I think that made a huge difference to the possibility for the team. Um, they continued to play well for a period of time, got out some good victories, and then went into a bit of free fall. Just poor performance, um, a dreadful second half performance um, at home, uh, and then for their trip down for the uh, for, for the match in South Africa against the, the Sharks. It was so poor, so unbelievably poor. And they started that game again poorly last weekend. And whatever it is that's changed, whatever it is about them that is, they're definitely fitter at the end of the games than they were in in the last season, I have to say. Um, I think there was a bit of doggedness in there. And I do think um, Ben Healy coming on, um, even if you're under huge pressure, when you suddenly have a guy who can kick the ball 70 yards down the field, it takes a long time for them to come back from that ball. you know. So that's a bit of extra um, energy in the tank. I thought he was the guy who who made the, the, the big performance, actually, against South Africa um, earlier on in the year. And I don't think he got the credit for it, and I don't think he got the opportunity to play. And I have to say, I laud his professionalism on at the end of a season um, that he's he has been rewarded for how he's trained. He's got onto the onto the field. When he's got onto the field, he's delivered onto the field. Even though he's going to pastures new um, uh, immediately after this this year. So it's for me. I I just didn't expect to see it. I didn't think they they had it in them. And uh, delighted to be proven wrong in that instance. But um, look, if if they're going to be Heineken Cup next year, great. Um, I, I, the manner in which it turned out in the last five minutes has given them probably the best game that they can have that they could have hoped for within uh, within that um, qualification for the knockout stages for the URC. So, look, I think they're they have to be delighted with where they've been, but they don't want to stop there either. They need to go over there and get their victory. 
Uh, a penny once again for Joey Carberry's thoughts when you're looking on and he's playing water carrier and the guy who's leaving is coming on to save the day. Like, Brian O'Driscoll was interesting on Healy, maybe feeling that the shackles are off because he knows he's going. So there's not that sense of my long-term future at this province is at stake. Every time I come on the pitch, he, he knows he's going to be moving on. He's obviously made his decision on the international side of things as well. So he can, he can maybe play with a bit more freedom over the next couple of weeks. I, yeah, I don't know about that. I thought he played pretty well earlier on in the year, and I don't think he got the the chance. And no, I'm not saying he's a world beater either, but I thought he played well enough um, on that big game to get more of a run afterwards, and and didn't. So, um, so maybe it is a bit of a freebie for him. I mean, for Joey Carberry, and I said it on uh, on the program last week. Joey Carberry just needs to go and train and get his confidence back. And there's no other way around that fact for him. And um, um, I'm hoping that all his injury troubles are over and he gets a good opportunity to put a big body of work in because he needs to do it. And he's too too talented a player for us to to not have in um, in in a starting jersey. You know, so that's something that's very important as well. And look, I think um, people forget how hard it is to recover from injury. Um, and you'll recover and you might be 90% right and you're still good enough to play, but it doesn't mean that everything works for you and you can just lose your confidence. It's a bit of a spiral, so he needs to be able to try and manoeuvre that back. Keith, great stuff as always. Great to talk to you, Nathan. Keith Wood there. All our rugby and off the ballers with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Rugby on Off the Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.